8.03 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. If you're watching on the live stream, Sportsnet Now, great app. Download it today. You just watched me fumble with my headphones. I was going to say. 25 they, consecutive seconds. They just thought you struggle at the start of the segment. I couldn't figure it out. Those were some panic hands. I kept twisting them around because I like having the cord on my left side. Right. Okay. Gotcha. I like the panic hands. It's like jazz hands, but freakier. Panic hands. Panic hands. With my hands. Panic hands. Give me the panic hands. They're not adjusting well to being televised, folks, and it's not even really television. That's Bruff in front of that with the puck. You got <laughs> yeah. panic hands. Yeah. Panic hands. Bruff's got to get up and down here. <laughs> it's an easy chip. Well, now he's further away. <laughs> Seems to be shaking uncontrollably. <laughs> uh, Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. IMAX going to join us in just a second here. Uh, before we get to him, need to tell you that Hour 3 of the program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound. Real estate appraisers trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com. Today, finally, Jason's going to tell you about the fine folks at Kintec, featuring both footwear and orthotics. Nothing for panic hands, though. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Do they have shoes for panic feet, do you think? <laughs> Panicky feet. Yeah. yeah. My feet got the shakes. What do you got for that? <laughs> What's the nickname you just came up <laughs> with? It is in the text box. Panic Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, unsigned text. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Okay, time now to go to the phone lines. A presentation of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Ian McIntyre here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, iMac. How are you? I'm doing well. You guys have made me smile like three times while I've been on hold for 90 seconds. So. Nice. Thank you. Good for you. I can picture panic feet when Jason Bruff is standing on the first tee and there's people watching. Uh, yeah, and you know, panic hands too. And he's going to his <laughs> golf bag. It looks like he's bringing out a beer, and he's going to chug <laughs> that beer. And now he's a lot more comfortable. Oh um, uh, yes, I'm what, get, so, what gets us through the round? Yes, absolutely. Um, so much happened over the weekend, but let's start with that Leafs game because while I was at the rugby sevens and uh, couldn't actually um, watch the game. Um, the last time I was at BC Place while the Canucks played a home game, I was at Elton John while the Canucks had their home opener against the Buffalo Sabres, and I feel like the atmosphere in the arena was very different against the Leafs. <laughs> uh, I assume you were there. <laughs> what, yeah. what was it like? Was it? I mean, I know oh, Team Tank. Yeah. Team Tank won't be happy, but even some of the most ardent Team Team Tankers is that what we, what we call it? Like, might have enjoyed a night off to beat the Leafs. Yeah, well, uh, it nothing unites, and I mean that literally, like nothing. There is nothing else that unites Canuck Nation like beating the Maple Leafs in Vancouver. And incredibly, like I didn't realize this until the game, like, it, you know, it's always a fun f- fixture. But incredibly, 16 times out of 18 games this has happened since the NHL reinvented itself in the 0405 lockout that the Canucks have beaten the Leafs in Vancouver. It, it's it's always a fun game. And of course, I go back before that. So it, it's always been a, a, a great game, a great atmosphere when Toronto comes. But early on, I noticed the difference between Toronto coming and Montreal coming. When Toronto comes, Maple Leaf fans are so excited to see their team. They wait all year for this, they buy tickets, they wear their jerseys, they drink beer like Jason Bruff on the golf course. They have fun. Their team loses. It doesn't matter. Hardly matters. They're there to have fun. 
they cheer. It's it's great all the way through. When the Canadians come to town, their fans uh, are much the same, except they're booing the Canucks when they come out, and they really don't like the home team, and they just want to see their team win. And if their team doesn't win, they're pretty quiet mm-hmm. at the end, whereas the Leaf fans are still drinking and cheering it and stuff. Yeah. Just my two cents worth. It was a great night. Um, Thatcher Demko. He's looking he pretty good too. He's, he's looking pretty good right now. Um, I think a lot of people. Well, actually, people probably haven't forgotten, but like he didn't look good early on in the season, and it was kind of one of those chicken and egg things. Like, does he not look good because the Canucks are so bad in front of him, or are the Canucks so bad in front of him because they don't trust what's going on with their goaltending right now? Do you think there's any correlation between Thatcher Demko's strong return? and the fact that they've got a coach, a new head coach, that is emphasizing structure. Yeah, I would say there's some, there's some correlation because it's always you speak to any goaltender. Uh, it, it's always easier when there's, for him when there's predictability from the team, and there's a lot more predictability and consistency now from, from the Canucks. The goalie's not – when the other team comes through the neutral zone, the goalie's no longer guessing, oh, I wonder where I should be on this rush because who's going to be left open. So yes, yes, it does. It does help. But I would say to your initial question, the, the chicken and egg, they just both were bad. Yeah. Like the, the team was bad and, and Demko was bad. And uh, I've, I've said many times and, and many people have said this as well, because it's fairly obvious, which is what most of my observations are, as you guys know by now, but the, the one of the most important things during this discussion and the three-month uh, period between games for Thatcher Demko, one of the most important things for this team to get right was to not only make sure that Thatcher Demko was healthy, make sure he's back to where he was. And, and you never know that until you actually play games. But don't, don't just bring him back to be when he's recovered from this groin injury that he suffered from December 1st. Bring him back when he's recovered from that and has his technique back from last season before he had whatever the other surgery was, the mystery surgery, which I think was a huge factor in his, in his poor start, that he just, his mechanics, he just wasn't, wasn't moving, wasn't playing the same way. It's a really small sample, of course, just these three games. But he's looked better in each of the three games as they've gone. And against Toronto, he certainly looked like the top five goalie that he was last season. And it just makes a, a, a massive, massive difference. It's not that the Canuck goaltending was just sort of bad while, while he was out and even, you know, when he started this season. It, it was atrocious. It was, it's, their team save percentage of 87% is the worst in the NHL. Maybe it's going to climb now. Well, it will climb if Thatcher Demko keeps playing this way. But the difference between 87% and 90% is huge. It's a goal a game, essentially. You know, a goal every 33 shots. And Thatcher Demko, I think, he's been 937. So he's been just lights out. And let's not pretend that that he's going to go 937 and that's going to be the standard. But even you go 910, you go 915 instead of instead of 870, you know, that's – four goals every hundred shots. 
it's a it's a massive difference to the outcome for the team. Uh, Miller and Pedersen each scored shorthanded, which was fun to watch and enjoyable for the crowd. But it's funny looking back when Rick Tockett first took the job. Did he not kind of insinuate that he didn't want his top players like Elias Pettersson and JT Miller on the PK, or certainly not often? And right now, Miller and Petey are the first two guys that go yeah. over the boards uh, uh, in terms of the forwards for, for the PK. Um, but I, I wonder if Rick Tockett has just looked at the options that he's got and going like, they're probably my best PKers right now, but the Canucks need to find some other guys to take the load off Miller and Petey, do they not? Yeah, they do. They're going to have to teach them, though. And I think that's that's part of it. I think we'll, we won't see, well, at least I don't think we'll see Petey and Miller out uh, as much next season once Tockett and his staff have some time to teach other players uh, how to how to kill penalties. But not only did he insinuate that maybe he wouldn't want them out as much. He he said so. His quote when he took over, and I think, you know, in fairness to talk it, he was talking about the penalty killing generally and not specifically those two guys. He said, I just can't keep running these guys out there. And and now he's running them out there, as you know, as you say, to start every penalty kill. But it also might be not just, well, he has he doesn't have any options he might have gone, holy crap, look how good these guys are yeah. together, mm-hmm. like how dangerous they are. And we know that they're, they're, you're still going to give up goals. But when you have that kind of deterrent, like, hey, maybe we'll score some of our own. Yeah. And, and, you know, to get to uh, 44 seconds apart on, on the same power play that potentially was going to win the Toronto Maple Leafs the game. And instead, the Canucks won the game on their power play shorthanded. Both goals just superb goals like uh, absolutely brilliant goals you know the pass that that uh, Pedersen made I think it was between Marner's skates you know 70 feet onto the tape of of uh, Miller's stick for the second one that was that was as good as anything in the two goals but just brilliant goals from really high-end players and those guys have both, you know, Pedersen, we all know, he's been easily their best player this season. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. Although maybe Quinn Hughes is making it closer now. But, yep. but Pedersen's been great all along. Miller was, you know, awful at the start, mixed in the middle. Now he's playing his best hockey again. I think both of these guys have benefited as well from whatever Rick Tockett is telling them. Uh, this is going to be another one of my classic questions of choose the most likely thing to happen. Okay, this offseason, this off season, yeah. I'm giving you three options. You pick the okay. scenario that you think is most likely to happen, and you can't say and you can't say none of the above. All right. First option: the Canucks in some way trade J.T. Miller. Second okay. option: they trade their first round draft pick, the remaining draft pick. Third option: they buy out Oliver Ekman Larson. Oh, I'd say three. Yeah, is by far the most likely, and and I don't think two is going to happen no matter what, and I think one's a possibility. I think there'll be more, they'll revisit JT Miller and his contract and what that might look like to move. Uh, for sure, they'll revisit that uh, when when the season ends. But I, I think of those three, uh, by far the most likely is is a buyout of Oliver ekman Larson. And I, I realize with the the conditions, very stringent conditions that are applied to these 
special Jason Bruff questions. I can't say none of the above, mm-hmm. but I'm not saying that they're going to buy out OEL, but I'd say that's the most likely of the three. Do you think it's better than 50-50, though? Uh, I, I'd say, you know, I'd land around 50-50. Yeah. Because it, it, it's such a poison pill to have to pay a guy for eight years not to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty and, million and, dollars in cash, I think, over those yeah, eight years, and, and that's a that's a heck of a request to go to ownership with. Yeah, and and even uh, I, I mean, here's maybe I'll now that I'm going to talk it out, I'm going to say slightly under fifty fifty that it happens because here's what I think: uh, they've had just this Titanic season, like the team worse than anybody could have imagined, and now with Tockett and structure. We're seeing some hope again. Is it going to be completely false hope like it was for Bruce Boudreaux? It, we can't say that. Like nobody can say, yes, they're, they're not going to play like this next year. Because, uh, you know, one of the things, and I called around about Talkett when he took over, and I talked to a couple of uh, ex-coaches who know him, and they said he's, he's, he's not going to cave in. Like he's not going to give up and give in to players who don't want to do what he wants them to do. He's he's going to be stubborn and he's going to outweigh them and he's going to get what he wants and already he looks like he has uh, a pretty good team. I, I don't, you know, Alvin said Friday that the plan for next year will be to make the playoffs. Nobody really knows what next year is going to look like at this point. Uh, I think the most likely thing is that they would start next season with Oliver Ekman Larson and they're going to see how the season goes and they're going to see how he goes. And if he has another season like this one, then I'd say it's a lot more than 50-50 that in, in summer of 24, they buy him out. And then they've got six years left instead of eight years left. How much pressure is going to be on Philip Hronick to show up and not only be like <laughs> adequate, but actually like above average? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot of pressure because that, that deal, and I, I was – preparing like you guys were going to rehash the deadline with me. So uh, I was looking at a lot of stuff on that. I, you know, the, the Ronick deal is so uh, disliked by so many people that it kind of, it kind of colors the whole deadline. And, you, you know, the Canucks made six trades if you go going back to Horvat. And if you look at each one individually in isolation, almost every one you'd say, yeah, good trade, except you get to Ronick. And some people hate the trade so much that they now hate the deadline as a whole and maybe hate the team as well or hate this regime for, for, for doing the trade. There's, there's a ton of pressure on them. I kind of feel, feel sorry for them because we've seen before in this market when guys come uh, amid or in the wake of uh, an incredibly unpopular or criticized trade, it it's really difficult. They're, they're, they're like a marked man, right? People are, some people will literally be hoping that he fails because they hate the trade so much. Uh, I think he's, I think he's a good defenseman. Like everybody else, I have questions about the timing, but I think I'm probably a little different, which also you guys know, uh, probably a little different that my biggest beef would be not that they made the trade to get him, but what they paid. Like, could they have paid less, Yeah, you know, given what the prices were? Uh, I look at it like, you know, last year in the summer, they didn't have a lot of breathing room. 
but they had enough money to add one good player, you know, one player who was going to cost. And for better or worse, they decided that was going to be Ilya Mikheyev, uh, who was pretty good uh, while playing hurt. They probably looked at it and said, okay, we got enough money to add one more player this year, this offseason or before. And it just so happened that Ronick was the guy they wanted. And so they made that deal now. They got him now instead of waiting till the summer. So he's he's their big ad for next season, even though it came in March of of this season. There's a lot of pressure on him, though, and uh, you know I hope I hope he succeeds. It, he, certainly the Canucks got their guy. This was the person they they identified. Steve Eiserman, I think, surprising a lot of people, decided yet again to just sell off players for draft picks, even though his young team has come a long way and were in in the playoff fight in the really tough conference. He decided to take the team backwards yet again. So maybe Ronick came up and the Canucks were surprised that he was available. And I don't know. I don't know. Alvin didn't, you know, didn't get into a lot of detail about the trade because there were so much, so many other things to talk about. But the Canucks got the guy they wanted. They paid a huge premium for him. And uh, it, I think it's going to be tough for Ronick, even if he plays well, depending on who Detroit gets with those picks, it's going to be tough for him to, to win people over and, and think that this was a good trade for the Canucks ever, ever. In the, in the same way that J.T. Miller, there's still people who criticize the J.T. Miller trade, saying, well, it was a wasted, a wasted uh, asset because Miller hasn't made them a playoff team. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough for Ronick to win people over. IMAC, thank you very much for doing this today. As always, enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Monday. All right, guys. Nice being on with you. What a what a newsy week. It Who was. knows what's, what it's going to be like from now to the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. We'll be back to talk about it in seven days' time. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. See you, See you guys. Have a good week. You too. Thanks, uh, Ian McIntyre. A presentation of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota all-star team. AvenueMachinery.ca, DouglasLakeEquipment.com. Those are the URLs. So what we learns are coming up. Uh, send in your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Um, use the ticket emoji if you want to be entered into the competition for best what we learn. The winner gets a pair of tickets to tonight's game against the Nashville Predators. So be sure to include the ticket o- emoji only if you can make tonight's game. Um, I'm going to do a quick what we learned here. Okay. Um, I learned that the Whitecaps blew another one nothing lead mm-hmm. and have now started their season with two straight losses, and in both games they had a one nothing lead. I don't know if Bruce Boudreaux is coaching the Whitecaps. He is not. It's, it's still Vanny, is it? It's his Italian counterpart. I also learned that Manchester United, another soccer one, Mm-hmm. has had a very interesting season. There have been some ups and there have been some downs. The most recent was a down, a 7-0 defeat at Anfield to Liverpool, mm-hmm. which has had an interesting season itself. Which of these games would you like to discuss? Oh, man. Well, I was... We've got two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, real quick on United. Just an absolute embarrassment and debacle one of the worst losses in the club's history and we're going back hundreds like honestly 100 years 
going back, you, they've there's very few moments in time where they have been that thoroughly dominated. Seven, it's happened before. I think they lost to Blackburn in like 1936 by the same seven nil scoreline. Uh, the thing is, is you're right. It's been a very interesting season because this is for the large part been a reclamation season. For United, they're back even though they it. started out with that like four nil loss to Brentford, and then things really turned right round with Eric Ten Hag mm-hmm. as the gaffer and get and, rid of Ronaldo, and the reemergence of Marcus Rashford as being one of the best goal scorers in the country. He's just been magnificent, and it really actually makes me rethink about. Uh, how little he played at the World Cup in Qatar and how they probably could have used him more and how it might have... Anyway, I don't want to go too blah, far blah, down blah, that blah, road. Blah, blah, uh, Whitecaps. Um, this is a problem. It's, it's, there's a frustration level already because the team is more than good enough, more than good enough to have at least a single point from the first two matches. And the players, you can see their frustrations that this has happened for a second week in a row where they've played terrifically in the first half, gotten the goal, and then just flatlined in the second. Now, first match, there was a lot of criticism about Vanny Sartini making the changes too late and deploying his substitutes at the wrong times. Now, he made subs earlier in the second half in San Jose on the weekend, and they backfired spectacularly. Yeah, Not to pin this on one guy, but Russell Tybert came into the match, and I think like nine minutes later, they went from being up one nothing to down 2-1. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Uh, It's a different team. There's more talent. And what the issue was last year, you know, when the Whitecaps would be terrible in the first half and then good in the second half, they flipped the script. Right. What they haven't figured out is how to be good in the first half and then also be good in the second half. Mm -hmm. That's the challenge. And it's a big one (laughs) because they've got a huge week. They play Wednesday in Champions League, then Saturday again. So they need to figure this out really quick because – if you want to talk about first halves and second halves, you know what killed them last year? So they were terrible in the first half of the season, and they tried to come on late, and they ultimately fell short, and they can't do that again this year. All right, give us a moo cow on that. Mike in West Kelowna texted in, you two have become unbearable. Yikes. You can't just send that text in. You have to give us a reason why we become unbearable. Become it, unbearable? Become, just yeah, just right? in general. Just in More general. Like, is it the soccer talk? To all the people, Probably. and there's like two of them, that still complain about the soccer talk. It's Mike and West Kelowna and Andrew and Victoria. Guys, you're getting outvoted. You you I are think- no longer like soccer talk is here and it's here to stay. We have a ton of what we learned that we're gonna read on the other side that are related to Manchester United's loss <clears throat> to Liverpool over the weekend. Like people want to hear about this. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet six fifty. Get smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 8.32 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. It is what we learned time, Humanoid Edition. Let's fire up the dot matrix first. Ah, 
Good. Uh, let's do the winner right away. We have two tickets to tonight's game, 7.30, no the start time. Mm-hmm. Preds, Canucks, Rogers Arena. We have a pair of tickets. The winner is, do we have it ready? Yes, Chris from Surrey, what we learned, my girlfriend is having her book club meeting tonight at our condo. I'd want to get as far away as possible from that, so perhaps the Canucks game could be my excuse. Chris from Surrey, books? Get away from those. Who's ever learned anything from a book? Come on. Go to a Canucks game. Go to a Canucks game. Congrats, buddy. I wonder what they're discussing. I wonder which book they're discussing. You could ask for a follow-up. Maybe he'll know. Yeah, Chris, we need to know which book they're discussing. I'll tell you what, we'll give you one ticket for winning. And the second <laughs> ticket, if you write back and tell my, us what book they're discussing. My Dinner with Andre? Little Women. Little, little women. They weren't little women. They weren't little girls it's, anymore. They were it's little it's funny. It's a it's a Jack Reacher book. Yeah. The gals are getting together and talking about this drifter that beats people up. Interesting. Taj from Surrey, what we learned, the Canucks performance versus the Leafs is indicative of what this team will be next year with competent NHL goaltending. Mm-hmm. That's more than competent, folks. What Thatcher Demko has done in yep. his, what, three games since returning from injury? Yeah, he's looked very good. He's looked solid. And I always like saying that uh, while Laddie is around. Like, he looks really comfortable in there because that does. drives Laddie crazy. He looks big. He's, he's square playing to the big. shooter. By he's playing, playing big. big. That's all you got to do in yeah. goal. You play big. And when you're playing bad, you're playing too small. Look a little shaky, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that too. But Taj from Surrey, overall, this is what uh, Patrick Alvin is hoping for, and this is what he's expecting. It felt like the Canucks media badgered Patrick Alvin into saying that he expects the Canucks to be a playoff team next say season. Say it. It's like, say it so we can use this against you. Say it. It's like the Bart I didn't do yeah. that part. Yeah. Yeah. Say the line, Alvin. <laughs> he puts his head down. He's like, we're going to make the playoffs. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Everyone's happy again. You're an idiot. <laughs> that collective yay is two-thirds of our audience, by the way. They're like, yes, yes. He, he said, said it. it. Ah! Boudreaux said it too, and it went terribly. Speaking of Boudreaux, I got one here. Hey, Bruce Boudreaux, what we learned. From Rager, hashtag WWL, what we learned. Uh, we learned that Halford is right. Of course I am. The Flames are absolutely going to hire Bruce Boudreaux. He'll make all those guys feel good. They'll sing Bruce, there it is, and we will all hate it. For the record, um, I was half joking. Like, I think I think it's the perfect Sutter antidote. It was funny. You, you said it, and I was like, you're an idiot. Then I was like, but maybe. <laughs> is it not? Like, who yeah. is who, what's the Sutter antidote? What's the first thing that comes to your head? Boudreaux, right? Hey, when does Bruce Boudreaux jump the shark? I think he's there. You think so? Trade Center didn't help. Although a lot of people love that. Yeah, that's fine. A lot of people love that. But jumping the shark isn't, I mean, part of it is people not liking it. But part of it is, like, <laughs> y- you become aware of your character, and then yeah. it becomes... Not it lacks authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of part of it. Is it's like, <laughs> is Bruce being Bruce or is he being what? Like, is he being Bruce? There it is. Like, it's you know what yeah. I mean. I don't know. I mean, he's he likes being on television. He's done it before. Sure, we should yeah, point yeah, that yeah. out. And he's a very very gregarious guy. And I think he maybe knows that coaching gigs <laughs> and offers might be far and few. I just know how this goes, right? Like, it's like everyone loves Bruce. Now everyone's getting a little bit of tired of Bruce. Yeah, right. right? Like, <laughs> All right, that's enough. Um, you, guys, you think it's Sutter to Boudreaux? It could be Trey Living to Sutter if he gets angling for this GM no. job that he's going. For. I think oh, Daryl's. I think Daryl's in Bruce territory. That if this is my, if this is his last job, then we'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, like, well, what Chris from Surrey got back to us. The book in question is called Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Oh, okay. What's wow. it about? I was he doesn't chemistry. Know. He says, "Don't ask me what it's about." 
but it's called Lessons in Chemistry. It's not about the Canucks. Yeah, that's all it's, it's not about the Canucks. By yeah. Bonnie, Bonnie Garmus. Okay. Garmus. Uh, Graham and Surrey. Let's not get distracted by Chris from Surrey's girlfriend's book club. Uh-uh. Again. No, I'm into it now. <laughs> now we got a text link to the Amazon. <laughs> if you want to buy the book, I can read it out. <laughs> Have you got a description of it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm right here. Just what have you got? What, oh, okay. Well, God, we're, <laughs> oh, we're idiots, oh, oh. honestly. Bo- Bonnie Garmus is apparently, this isn't like a first-time author. She's got a, a laundry list of books. Oh, this Bonnie is, Garmus. Oh, Bonnie Garmus. Okay. Yeah, it's a Bonnie Garmus club. That Bonnie Garmus. <laughs> the Bonnie Garmus fan club. We just read books occasionally. Okay. Uh, a delight for readers of Where Do You Go, Bernadette. That was the blockbuster debut. Where did she go? I don't know. Columbus? Uh, there's a chemist named Elizabeth Zott. Okay. Uh, is this fiction or nonfiction? It's nonfiction. Okay. I, it's, I, as far as I can tell. I get Bonnie Garmus on the show uh, tomorrow. To oh, <laughs> she's, she's a chemist, and okay. she's, it's, it's set in the early 1960s, and her mm. all-male research team at the Hastings Research Institute takes a very unscientific view of equality. Ah, I see. Oh, except for one, Calvin Evans, the lonely, brilliant, Nobel Prize-nominated grudge holder who falls in love with, of all things, her mind. Is this fiction or nonfiction? It's nonfiction? It's nonfiction. Okay. I think I'm going to no, read it. No, it's fiction. Like yeah, it's Correct. fiction. That sounds like, I was like, and then she falls in, or he falls in love with her. Yep, no, that's right. That's fictional. Is this just one of those cheesy romance novels? Yes. Okay. Do, do, you think this is, do you think this is what the Halford and Bruff book club would be like? <laughs> Trying to determine whether a book is fiction or nonfiction. Yeah, getting Did caught- it happen or not? <laughs> getting caught in the minutia. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Graham and Surrey, what we learned. Even though it's been a terrible year for both of my teams. Sorry, I've lost this one. It's okay. Um... After the Canucks thrashing the Leafs and Liverpool thrashing Man U, the sun looks a little brighter this morning. It's been uh, such an interesting season for both Liverpool and Manchester United Mm -hmm. because both of them have had terrific disappointments. But also, like Manchester United won the League Cup. They did turn their season around after... Carabao Cup. Yeah, and then Liverpool... For all the disappointment in both the league and, I guess, Europe, now they have this 7-0 win over Manchester United Yeah, to this remember. is going to end up being the crowning achievement of their yeah. year, to be honest. By the way, Mo Salah, uh, was it 129 Premier League goals now? What a remarkable individual. What a great career. I mean, I'm not a Liverpool supporter by any stretch of the imagination, but... Game respects game. I don't have any. He does. I got to ask us anything Monday for Bruff just because a few people have texted in about it. And okay. I, we haven't really talked about it, but Bruff went to the Rugby Sevens. Yes, he did. On yeah. the weekend. I just wanted to ask you, how was it? Okay, I'm going to read this, uh, what we learned from Dal. Um, I learned that I was a fan of rugby over the weekend. The games were electrifying and the atmosphere was incredible. I never thought I would have enjoyed it so much. So that must have been a first-time viewer of the Rugby Sevens. Um, the one thing I've, I've, I've been to the rugby sevens every year it's been here and every time it's been here, I've also been down to watch rugby sevens in Las Vegas and, and, and San Francisco. Um, I never played a lot of rugby, but I had friends that do. So I kind of appreciate the game. But, um, the one thing about sevens is every time I go there, I marvel at how fit those guys are mm-hmm. and the women too like the women the women played and was Every very entertaining sevens like, athlete is it is crazy they play on that full field that the bc lions and whitecaps do and there's seven aside that's why it's called sevens and they have to run these like oh. massive sprints and then it's not just the sprinting it's like 
getting tackled, but then having to pop right back up. It is incredible their fitness. And I know the games are, are short because, I don't know, they'd all die if they weren't. Yeah. But uh, the fitness and the skill and the speed involved, especially if you're watching it in person and up close, is incredible. I don't think I could sprint the width of the field, let alone the length of no. it. Plus tackle people, getting tackled, and also like having the, you know, like spinning the ball out wide and catching the ball. Like it is, the fitness in, involved is just incredible. Uh, I feel like this field is too long. Like it doesn't. It doesn't look right with the. They have two. It's, it's so big. It's, they have too few it's people so out big. there. It's like you know when kids run around in a gigantic field, and you're like, they could go anywhere, and they're boundless energy. That's what it looks like to me. They, so there's my recommendation for rugby sevens. Hey, make your field shorter. A couple of people are alleging that I don't know the difference between fiction and nonfiction. I could see that. I, one is real. One is fake. Which one is it? Tell us right now. Nonfiction is real. Ugh. Fiction is fake. That's the F's. There's alliteration. You're Googling it right now. Yeah. I'm not Googling it right I loved now. your guessing when I was like, is this nonfiction or fiction? I, I think it's nonfiction because it's about a chemistry team. I was like, oh. A famous chemistry team that I, everyone, of course, has heard of. Then I started, I, I was then doing it, it start, You started reading it. I'm like, this sounds fiction-y. The Hastings Research Institute. Oh, that doesn't sound very nonfiction. That sounds rather fictional. Well, watch that. That might be real, actually. Who knows? I'm going to look it up oh, right God, now. Oh, God. Why do you get distracted? Hastings. So shit, add another laptop to the mix and <laughs> make it even worse. That's why I have two laptops. Uh, oh, yeah, it's real. Damn it. <laughs> there you go. No, it's not. Uh, no, Josh, it is. Josh and Chilliwack, what we learned, the Leafs losing in Vancouver never gets old. But the Canucks going 12-5-3 over the next 20 games is going to suck for Tank Nation, picking number nine this year. I had that one flag, too, so he thinks ninth. That's where they're going to finish. Brother, if they are ninth overall, that pick's getting traded. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. If the Canucks finish and they get the ninth overall pick, I'm doing all the sounds with this one. Yeah, this is not really working for you, is it? They're trading that pick. Uh, Josh from Langley, what we learned. Rick Tockett is the Tobias Funke of the sports world, just oblivious to what he says. Yeah, his most recent quote uh, that I, I, I tweeted out. It came from the province. It was an article. Uh, I think Coos wrote it. Um, so Talkit was saying uh, about the, the the victory on Saturday of the Leafs. Um, the first sentence isn't a big deal. The, the Canucks played really hard. They played really hard and really responded after the first period, and I loved our second and third. Luke Shen banged a couple of our guys, and we came right back. We're not doing phrasing. That's anymore. what <laughs> that's what good teams do. Uh, he, Man, Luke Shen, like he guys just coming back and banging a couple of the Canucks. Tockett is I think Tockett knows what he's doing. What was the other one that he had? It was oh when Petey scored the overtime goal. What did he say then? I don't remember that. He said Petey Petey went out there and stuck it up my butt and I liked it. And I oh, liked right. it, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like he knows what he's doing. He's like the Halford and Bruff show. He's I providing us with content. Yeah. That's what he's doing. <laughs> I can't get through half the sentences we say on this show without being like, <laughs> They see you on the stream. They know. Uh, yeah, I know. They know. <laughs> Unsigned what we learned. I learned that my team tank loyalty only lasts until the first Go Leafs Go chant in Rogers Arena before I am cheering for the Canucks to lay the boot to the Leafs. I'll take that win and jump back on the tank today. I'm with you. So I was co- talking to a couple of the Toronto media that was in town for um, – the Leafs game and there's some worry about this team for a number of reasons. Number one, finding the chemistry with all the new guys. 
that management has brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's concern about the overall level of play of Austin Matthews, which is still very high, but nothing compared to last season when yeah. he was unbelievable. And there are also hints of some dysfunction in the Leafs front office. Like maybe some of the fat needs to be trimmed or maybe with Kyle Dubas, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation with him being in the last year of his contract and maybe Kyle Dubas is um, not going to be there next season. We all know what an NHL front office is like. It's like Game of Thrones, right? And as soon as there's, oh, wait a minute, this guy might be vulnerable, you start making your plays, Right, And I wonder if that's actually happening in Toronto right now. The interesting thing is, is they're going to have a first-round matchup with Tampa Bay. And I don't know what's going on with Tampa Bay right now. Are they just tricking us? Is this the rope-a-dope that the Lightning always play on us when we're like, ah, oh, maybe they're they're finally tired or they're finally you know too old to compete? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. That storyline? Last 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 season at the end of like I think you know I think even Elliot was like on thirty two thoughts he was like you know there's a lot of people wondering around the league if these guys are tired they played a lot of hockey and then what do they do well they survived the first round against the Leafs and went all the way to the Stanley Cup final I've never seen Game of Thrones but I think I get your reference you're very helpful uh, Ian and Coquitlam this is a, a what we learned and an ask us anything almost at the same time he's really just wants us to ponder it he says. Have all three Norris nominees ever been from all non-playoff teams? Currently, he would say that Eric Carlson, Rasmus Dahlin, and Josh Morrissey would be his three finalists. The Sharks are obviously out, so that's Carlson. Sabres are out right now. That would be Dahlin. And then Morrissey and the Jets, who are barely holding on to the final wildcard spot in the West. Have all three nominees ever been from non-playoff teams? I think I found one instance all the way back in 1959 where two of the three nominees... But they didn't have nominees back then. They just did the voting. So two of the three top guys were out of the playoffs. It just shows the defensemen don't really matter anymore. That's in true. Game. So Adam, really, that's that's my conclusion that I'm. Adam doing. Fox won when he won. The the Rangers were out of the playoffs, right? And then I think Doughty got nominated once when the Kings were. It doesn't happen very often. I think Adam Fox can get nominated though. I think he's gonna be one of the finalists this year as well. So his this guy is who is it? Ian and Coquitlam, yeah. Eric Carlson mm-hmm. for sure, for sure, yeah. Rasmus Dahlin. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. And then Josh Norrissey. Yeah, I he's think got Adam per- Fox is going to be one of them, he's but got, who he's, knows? He's got the right? perfect name for a candidacy. He gets those stickers, right? Yeah. Vote for Norrissey. Norrissey. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if Morrissey's going to get that finalist nominee. He's, he's had a terrific season. I just don't know if he's going to get it. Um, I got a, There's a lot of what we learned about that, that segment where we went in on Calgary, and then we kind of reiterated it there. Sure, yeah. Go um, for it. Well, one... Talking, a lot of people are having sort of revisionist history on Bradtree living in the job that he's done, right? Because okay. a lot of people said he was a savior and salvation mm-hmm. and everything. This unsigned texter wants to, what we learned. Uh, Tree Living has let Valamaki, Giordano, Monahan, a first round pick, TJ Brody, Johnny Gaudreau, and Travis Hamannick all leave without getting virtually anything of significance in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't talk about that enough. I, I know I dug deep into the Calgary, like the the Calgary hate on online yeah. over the weekend to find some ammo. And they're like, you know, for all the praise that Tree Living gets, he has let so many assets go without getting enough in return. And it just doesn't get talked about enough. Like mm-hmm. if it had happened in Vancouver, because we always talk about the Tanev and Edler going for nothing. Right? Sure. Yeah. Hamhuis, Verbata. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they said if it had happened in Vancouver, you guys would have been apoplectic about it. But it just Calgary's different, right? They don't they don't have the same sort of 
inherent damage and <laughs> scars. have the do. same anger. Yeah. The, uh, underlying true. anger. They have a cop. Uh, unsigned what we learned. If there's one thing I love more than a killer shorthanded goal, it's two on the same PK. Yep. There haven't been many times this year where I'm, uh, I've been like, wow, I wish I was at Rogers Arena for, for that. That Leafs game was one of those moments. You're so close. You're right across the street. I know. I was right across the street. Um, By the way, uh, yes. I um, the downtown was absolutely nuts after both the hockey game and the rugby. People were starting to leave the rugby. Like the rugby went a little bit longer than um, the Canucks game because it was a four o'clock start at right. Rogers Arena, and the rugby didn't end for a few hours after that. But I had to leave early because I was tired and old. Sure. And uh, I get it. I, I got outside and I was trying to call an Uber and I was like, nope, this isn't going to happen for me. So I had to walk over the Canby Street Bridge <laughs> to, to get an Uber. But I've also been, someone texted and said that Canucks fans and Leafs fans were fighting downtown. Oh, really? And then I saw some nice. video on Granville Street. Um, there was a good little brawl there. Um, it's, nice to, it's nice to see the fans rejuvenated and fighting out on the streets again. This, you is, know? How, this is how you know. We've been we... so apathetic for so long. Well, this is how you know you beat the pandemic. It's like there's fist fights on Granville again. Yeah, exactly. We're back as a society. We're, we're back as a society <laughs> to be A Vancouver awful, staple. Awful, <laughs> awful human Excellent. beings. Yeah. Did it happen outside of Fritz at 3 o'clock in the morning? Sweet. We are back, baby. Uh, here's what we learned from me. And we were talking about this at the break. It looks like uh, Derek Carr is now the new starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Mm -hmm. So Schefter tweeted out about an hour ago that this was coming to a head and that they were going to announce a deal soon. Derek Carr tweeted out like a half hour ago. It just says, who dat? Which is obviously the catch call for the New Orleans Saints. And then uh, a video of the Honey Badger just saluting the crowd. So I guess... There's one of the cube because someone asked earlier, they're like, could you guys talk more NFL? Who's going to be more successful, the Saints with Derek Carr or the Broncos with the Saints' old coach, Sean Payton? Saints with Derek Carr. I think the Broncos are cooked. I think Russ is cooked. Mm -hmm. They let him cook. And he's are you like, surprised Sean Payton took that job? Um, no. I think, it, put it this way, if he was going to get back into coaching and have another kick at it, he had to do it in the right scenario, but... There's not many other scenarios out there right now. Like it's not the NFL hiring wise is not really trending towards guys that were in their prime in 2006. I guess when Sean Payton won Coach of the Year, mm -hmm. it's almost two decades ago. It's a long time ago, right? They're kind of trending towards younger, more uh, kind of hip and with it coaches that right. are on the cutting edge of offensive play calling and everything. And I just think that this he realized that if he, the longer he was on the sidelines, the less likely it was going to be that he was going to get a gig. And this one landed in Denver, and he's like, well, if it works out, I sure look good. And if I don't, it's Russ's fault. That's how and I if I, it. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, I'm pretty rich. Yeah, exactly. Made right. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, made a Van, movie about me. Van City B, what we learned, along with Demko's return and great play, we are also seeing the Tocket structure kicking in. Goals against have dropped in the last couple of weeks. No, it's Demko. It's Demko. Well, last couple, I, I think the Canucks do look different they look under, different. under Tockett. The goalie um, looks bigger. <laughs> the goalie looks bigger. I do think they look different. They're just, there's not so many plays. There's still some plays where you're yelling at the TV, but the, the, but the yelling at the TV per 60 mm -hmm. or the almost like, you know, in, the insane laughing that would happen watching the Canucks, yeah. like you cannot believe that just happened. I he feel just like made that mistake. Why is he making it? The mistake? insane laughing per sixty is also down as well. Um, yeah, no, we'll that's fair. we'll see uh, what it looks like tonight when the Nashville Predators 
come to Rogers Arena, and the Nashville Predators are um, a pretty interesting story right now. They sold at the deadline, and they're in a playoff race because Calgary can't figure it out, and Winnipeg has fallen on tough times. So we'll see if the Preds can come into Vancouver and get a win for them. Uh, I'm sure Team Tank will be back to cheering for the opposition at Rogers Arena. You know, now that I think about it, it's like they're also like the anti-tank now. I mean, they yeah, were they built are. to tank, yep. and now they're doing the ex- – so the two anti-tanks meet tonight at Rogers Arena at 7.30. What was our listeners, the winner again, who won it? Was it Chris? Yes. The guy with the book club. Yeah. Enjoy the game tonight. A reminder, it starts at 7.30, not 7 o'clock. That's it for us for now. We got to go, but we will be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The People's Show with Bick Nazar, where you're part of the show. Download the podcast on demand through your favorite podcast app.